Hey, what's up everybody? This is Bike Racing Weekly. My name is Rick and I'm joined by my co-host. Hey guys, my name is Ryan. Thanks for listening today. Episode four. Yeah, episode number four. We're back with a full calendar schedule, uh, you know, queue of all things bike racing to talk about. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot of stuff to talk about today, Ryan. Um, we might as well jump into it right away. Yep. Uh, today we're talking about upcoming and past races because you just got done with a series, a three-day Omnium. I did. I did. I got a few races coming up. That's right. Uh, we got a nutrition uh, discussion, a diet update. and <laughs> <laughs> Those are always the best, right? <laughs> and then we're going to touch on the Red Hook crit. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what do we want to start with then? Let's talk about your Omnium. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so let's I, start off with what was it, you know, how many days with it, what were the races, how'd you do? Gotcha. So I, I did the uh, the famous lacrosse Omnium uh, hosted in the lacrosse Wisconsin area. So disclaimer, I actually didn't do the entire Omnium. So Friday is an uphill time trial, and then uh, Saturday is a road race in the uh, kind of like the, the bluff area of lacrosse. The yeah, it's, the bluff. It's kind of like large hills it was actually in minnesota so it oh, was really? technically not in wisconsin but it was just across the border okay and then um sunday is a crit in downtown lacrosse right on the river excuse me which was uh which was pretty the cool. mississippi river yeah it might be i, I think, think it is, is. is yeah it, I, I think it was, it was a pretty big river it was the one that kind of went through like the border too yeah. yeah so that was pretty sweet um, so yeah, like I said, I didn't do the, the uh, uphill time trial. I wasn't able to get off work that day. I don't understand why they do Friday omniums for like local events. Well, you know, I don't know. I can understand it because okay, so what what would you do instead? You'd put the uphill time trial right before. So for us, it was like a fifty six mile road race. I mean, that would have just been absolutely killer. And then to have like a race the day after that, that would have, I don't know, that would have been a lot. So. The fact that they put it on Friday, I totally understand why they did that. For collegiate, um, they do the road race and the time trial on the same day, and they give you like two or three hours. Yeah. And then they'll typically start the time trial from the start of the road race, and it'll be like an out and back. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty popular. It, a lot of places are starting to go to that. I know the yeah. Omnium that I've done in the past... They, they used to have a Friday, and so many people were like, we can't do that. Oh, right, right, so totally. So they, they just moved it to Saturday. Well, it's really interesting how, like, where you place the time trial completely changes the nature of your, your stage race, your Omnium. So for this one, the time trial was right away. So I did the race Saturday. That was a road race. So there was this team that showed up, and they had probably six to eight guys in our race. It was, I think the team was called Above and Beyond Cancer. Somebody told me that they were out of Colorado. I don't know why they were in lacrosse racing, but uh, I didn't realize how big of a race this was. This was an awesome race. Like there was team buses there, like some rigs, buses? you know, yeah, like like well, you know, like big sprinter vans. I, I people were, knew that, people like, were bringing campers. Yeah, like, I it was a knew huge, it was a big race. Yeah, and I, it was a pretty big field. It was like sixty people. I did the Cat Three race. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was a fifty-six mile road race and on rolling terrain with like one. Um, like four to six minute climb, depending on how hard everybody was going up it. And it was a hard race. Like there was probably, so there was that one team I just mentioned. There was another team. I think they were called North Star Development. They had a couple riders. And then this other team, I think they were called like Apex Cycling. 
and it was really kind of like a like a boxing match between between those three teams. Like they were just going at it the entire race. Um, it was actually not too hard up the climbs, but the teams would just drill it in the crosswinds and try to get everybody strung out. So um, I actually I didn't realize it was going to be a 56 mile road race. I only brought two bottles. Oh, and I didn't plan very well for this weekend. It was hot. It was hot. Yeah. So that last lap, I kind of started to feel like I was cramping. I also didn't plan my nutrition well. I just bought a bag of Swedish fish at a gas station, cut it open, and emptied the entire bag into my pocket. It's pretty good. Highly recommended. Yeah. It actually worked great. I mean, that's just like a pure sugar. I've, I've heard of doing like the Swedish fish thing. Yeah, it was super easy on my stomach. I mean, if anybody is like in a pinch or you don't want to spend like a million dollars on gels, goos, nutrition, just buy like a bag of candy and like and they didn't yeah. really melt either. It was hot and they didn't melt. Those things don't melt. No, it was crazy. So towards the end of the race, though, I was like, I was thirsty. I had salt all over my face and I could kind of feel like my, mm-hmm. my calves and stuff were cramping. So I would try to like trade people like Swedish fish for a bottle, but nobody was really taking that bargain. Oh. Bottles were at a premium by the 50th mile. I bet yeah. a lot of people only had two bottles. Well, there's a feed zone and there was like... I guess a lot of people had people that were feeding them, so that was super nice. I did not, unfortunately. Um, I was the only one of my team in that race, so I just I went with two bottles, and thank God, like I'm not much of a drinker or a sweater, so like I got through the race with two bottles. That's was, that's a good topic, though. How uh, if you were to do that again? How do you do that if you don't have a person to hand you bottles? So I would have what I would have done is I would have had three bottles on on board. So the race started out on kind of like on top of the hill I guess you could say and I what I would have done is the kind of the first lap so it was four lap race around uh and it ended up being 56 miles I would have tried to slam my smallest bottle right away like get like yeah get get some water in yeah so like one lap go through a bottle so by the time I hit that climb or maybe just like shortly after the climb um hope that it's not too hard the first lap uh I'm down to two bottles and then after that you should be able to like you know, you should be fine with two bottles for whatever, 30, maybe 40 miles. That would have been my revised strategy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really fun race. It actually stayed together pretty much the entire race. A couple people tried to get off the front and break away, but there was some crosswinds and some headwinds. So ended up being a big bunch sprint and, uh, I rolled in for seventh. So I was pretty happy with that. You know, it was not a bad result. Um, it was, it was crazy though. Like, was it a hilltop finish? No, it was a flat finish. Yeah. Um, somebody attacked in the gravel, like it was the yellow line rule. So we were, we were, you know, designated to one lane of traffic. And we, like I said, by that time we probably still had like 30 or 40 people in the race. And some guy just like goes like balls to the walls in the gravel and tries to get to the front and attacks. But he's like, he goes way too early. So like he comes back. Like the gravel on the shoulder? Like on the shoulder of the road. Wow. He attacked on the shoulder of the gravel. Yeah. Ballsy. Crazy. And then we came around, there was one last corner, and then probably like two or 300 meters to the finish. And I just hear like a massive crash on the left-hand side of the road, um, probably because it was the yellow line rule. So people were trying to get over and trying to get around other people while some people were trying to maintain like not going over the yellow line. So there was a big crash. I was lucky to be on the opposite side of the road and just sprinted. Um, and then, yeah, just rolled in with the field. So that no, was rolling well, with the field in well, seventh place. Well, okay, so yeah, it was, it was especially when there's sixty people in there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a good sprint. I was I was feeling pretty good that day. That's good. Um, do you was, know Do you know your current FTP? Yeah, actually, I got a new one from the weekend. Although I don't know, I think that's a little controversial whether you can take 
race FTPs or not. It depends on if you're training indoors or outdoor, or if you're applying that to indoor riding or outdoor riding. That's true. So if you're riding outdoors, you can apply that to your outdoor power. But if you're riding indoors, it's not recommended because uh, they found that you actually have a higher power outdoors. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for okay, so I'll get to that in just a second. So then the next day was the, the crit on Saturday. So that road race was extremely hard. Like, that was probably one of my, like only long road races that I've done. I consider a 56 mile road race pretty long for me. Um, but it's it went a pretty good. solid distance. It, it was took, it took two and a half hours. So yeah. it was, it was a hard race. Once you kind of get into that 60, 70 mile, I mean, that's, that's a good chunk of, yeah. Your legs feel like, like dull by the end. Yeah. Yeah. But then the crit was the next day and pretty much the same field that one team was there. So kind of like those three teams, um, they were just, you know, like just drilling at the entire race, sending guys off and then guys would close the gap and it was, it was staying together for pretty much the entire race. The course was pretty cool. It was a four corner crit and the last corner was slightly downhill into the, like the finishing stretch. So it was fast. It was a really fast course. And on the last lap, um, it just got so dicey. I managed to stay pretty close to the front, but in the last two laps, there was, I believe four crashes. So yeah, we still had a group of like probably at least 30 guys. Um, so I remember just kind of like down the back stretch, guys were going into the curb, like getting pushed into the gutter. We came around again, same thing happened. And then going into the final corner, I could just hear carbon like behind me going across the street. Like some guys must've got pinched. And then during the sprint, the kid that was directly to the left of me, probably just a couple of inches away, he tagged a wheel in front of him. And he started like going down and I had to like lean my bike over on its like, like tilt it as I'm like coasting during the sprint until he basically hits the pavement and then I could start sprinting again. So I ended up getting eighth in that race, which I'm still pretty happy with. It's pretty good. After how the race went, I was just happy not to get caught up in a crash. But that was actually, I mean, looking at like my power, that was the hardest crit I'd ever done in terms of like like raw power numbers i got what was your raw power so i let's see i think the entire crit and i I consider myself like a pretty savvy crit rider like Mm -hmm. i i think i can move up through the pack and conserve energy pretty well i ended up doing uh 200 and let's see i think it was 260 watts for an hour and then i might i hit my new 20 minute like record of 280 watts so that updated my threshold my functional threshold power to 266 watts yeah so new ftp numbers after the weekend nice i you know even even if i don't have a great race Mm -hmm. i still like kind of get excited if i get back from a race and i'm like oh i got some new power records yeah yeah i was pushing it Mm -hmm. yeah i think everybody kind of gets that way though it's like yeah maybe i didn't win the race but like look at these numbers yeah i don't have a power meter you should get around my bike. bike. I think you'd like to look at some of the data. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a data nerd, though, so I, I, I love yeah. looking at that stuff. I love the, uh, I, I really like the data, too. It's just so expensive. It is, yeah. And it, you can't really buy it used. That's not no. really. I know that they have a, I'm, I was actually looking into the, uh, the, that new power meter. I forgot what it's called. The power pod? Is that the one? I think so. That's the one where it's... It's, it's like $150. Oh, I've never heard of that. The power it's, pod was like 300 Oh, okay. There's a new one Okay. that um, attaches to your um, your pedal. Oh, I think it's called the Limit. Limits, maybe? The I, Limit power meter? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, so it, you, you... I've heard about that. It goes in between your, your crank arm... Yeah. the pedal okay and it's like a hundred fifty dollars and it uses really um 
a it it measures uh, the bend of the crank arm and then calculates power from there. So it's like a type of strain gauge that you'd find in an yeah a similar car meter. Yeah, so the um, the crank arm ones, mm-hmm. what they do is they it actually measures bending. Okay. Uh, this one, it kind of I, I believe don't quote me on this, but I believe it has a sensor that kind of just looks at kind of the distance that the the crank arm moves away from the sen- sensor. Okay. That's, so think that's of it like yeah. So think of it as like it kind of uh, like a, a laser, I guess. I'm guessing it's not a laser, but a laser, and then it just measures the distance that the laser moves when the crank arm bends. Interesting. Interesting. I believe that's how it works. That's kind of like the difference between like a GPS speed sensor and like a one that just measures how many times your wheel goes around. It's actually, it seems like almost like pretty low tech if you think about it, but it's like, yeah, it's a pretty genius idea it's, too, because that's just measuring the amount of pressure that you're putting through mm-hmm. the crank. It's, it's just simplifying the idea of measuring the torque on the pedal. Well, for $150, if that's the case, I absolutely would buy one for like my other bikes. Supposedly I, it's one and a half percent. That's, I mean, that's worth it for me yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's like just as accurate. Well, maybe we'll find out what that power meter is mm-hmm. and put a link or something um, in the description. We'll see. I'll look it up really quick. Yeah. Um, um, I'm just going to do $150 power meter. Yeah. and So there's there's a couple different power meter options. I, I have a stages power meter on my bike. And that retails, I mean, depending on which model you go with. I just went with the left crank arm model. And that was, I think they're, they're between roughly like five and $600, depending on whether you're going with like, you know, if you have like a 105 crank versus like a Dura-Ace crank or something like that. And I find that mine is, is pretty darn accurate. Like it's, or, okay, let me, let me, maybe it's not super accurate, but it's consistent. That's Mm -hmm. really what's important. I think with the power meter, I think people sometimes get lost in the weeds with, you know, exactly how accurate your power meter is I don't think it has to be that accurate I think it just needs to be really consistent so the power meter is made by IQ squared okay um, but I'm not seeing so what it's called. is this on a Kickstarter you're looking it's a Kickstarter at. okay so it's not a av- not available yet it's not available yet I believe if you um, if you back it it's a the estimated delivery time is September 2018 that's pretty soon for most Kickstarters. You know, most of them, like, yeah. you get it, like, a year or two after they would, they'd get yeah. funding. And the thing about Kickstarters, too, because you, you take a risk, mm-hmm. they say, like, we'll, oh, we'll send it out at this time. But there is there is actually always a chance that they never do. Right. So, like, say if they get money and stuff and they put it into whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, we didn't get enough and we can't continue. Yeah, they and they just shut down. You don't get anything back. So you might be buying a non-existent but, power meter. But this one, they they passed their their goal by uh, this. So their goal was one hundred and eighteen thousand five hundred and twenty-one dollars. Yeah. that was the goal. Uh, and Ryan, what did they actually like? Eight hundred seventeen thousand seven hundred sixteen. <laughs> so just. So I would think that you're pr- if yeah. you if you pledge money to this, you're okay. you're so probably going it's, to. That's a weird number, though. What? 818,521 goal? Where'd they come up with that? Well, you know, they're probably just, they're probably super exact. Like, okay, we want yeah. we need to build exactly these many yeah, maybe. power meters, and this is what's going to cost us. Yeah, and if you pledge uh, 
150 dollars you you get a left only power meter but then if you pledge uh 250 you get both sides that's not which bad. retail that I both mean, side one retails for 350 yeah and and to put that in perspective as well too if you want a two-sided power mm-hmm. meter I think generally the lowest you'd find is maybe eight hundred dollars. Oh, I, I was wrong before. Oh, okay. Um, so I was looking at this. That was in euro. Uh, so it was one hundred fifty dollar euro. Oh, so you got to do that conversion. It's, so they it's like, they have it here. It's one hundred seventy seven dollars right now if you pledge. Okay. Um, otherwise, it's two hundred fifty retail. Still not still not bad though actually. So you're saving yeah. 75 bucks yeah that's really not bad the only other power meter that i can think of that comes close to that kind of price point was and i don't even know if this still exists it might even be better than i i had originally mm-hmm. looked into but it was called the power pod yeah and it would go right on the front of your bike and the the idea was there's no strain gauge in it but it's using uh physics and mm-hmm. measuring like the wind resistance that's coming into the power pod and that's how it's, it's essentially calculating the power so you've got to put in like a couple different um, uh, you know, metrics and pieces of data like your wheel size and maybe your your rider weight or stuff like that, and then it, it calculates it off of that. The only thing that I always thought was kind of weird about that power meter was what happens when you're going over like really rough surfaces. You know, like yeah. I remember we we did a couple of races like think about like uh, like Whitnell Park a couple of weekends ago when it's literally you know really choppy cement and you're you're kind of like all over the place and. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how it works, but supposedly I think uh, a couple blogs like DC Rainmaker he did a review of I, it. I just brought up his, yeah. his review, and, so and he thought it was it was pretty good and pretty accurate. There was just some instances where it kind of like decoupled from a normal power meter. Yeah, so but for three hundred bucks. Yeah, for three hundred bucks, I'm looking at. So he compared it. DC Rainmaker compared it to Stages power meter, uh, a quark, and a power tap pedal. And the uh, this was over, uh, oh, so over like an hour. It was about an hour. Yeah. So he'll ride with all these power meters. Yeah. On the same bike, turned yes. on at once. And uh, the power pod was two fifty eight. The stages was two forty six. Cork was two forty five, and power tap pedal was two fifty nine. Okay. So there's, I mean, there's some variability there's across all of those power meters. Yeah. You know, I would I would totally buy one if I had like another bike I wanted to put it on. So like if I had two road bikes and I wanted to put it on there, you know, I could I could see buying a power pod for that mm-hmm. for that scenario. Um, definitely a road bike. I would never buy it for like a mountain bike or a cross bike. Cause I think yeah, it just it won't work to to the way you want it to. Yeah, I think because I know he he just did it on um, on a road bike. Yeah. I don't know how it would work on like a mountain bike, but uh, yeah, just looking at this, it's it's the one and a half percent off. To be honest, it almost looks more accurate than the power tap pedal. Yeah, you know when they put it in in here. Oh, so he did do a mountain bike ride. Let's see, the mountain bike ride was uh, two forty three, and the power tap pedal was two forty one. Wow, that's I mean that's kind of crazy. Looks like it's more accurate for a mountain bike. And like we said, that's that's three hundred dollars. Like, which would make sense actually know, if you think about it, because um, when you're riding in uh, the woods, uh-huh. the 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 wind and stuff is more consistent. 
versus when you you're riding down the road and you might take a turn all of a sudden you go from a lot of wind to only a little bit of wind oh i see it has like an extra step of calibration yeah where in the woods you're kind of maintaining the same air like wind velocity Hmm, that's kind of cool and I think you can pretty much like change it between bikes relatively easily. The only thing mm-hmm. you have to do is every time you would change it, you'd have to recalibrate the power pod. So essentially... But I do that with my smart trainer already. I have to calibrate it every single time I ride. I do I do it once in a while with my, my stages. Like I said, I, I love my stages. I really don't have to do anything to mm-hmm. it except for change the battery and then recalibrate it once in a while. I find that it's, uh, it's just really consistent. Like It works super well. Yeah, I would definitely... Uh I've actually never really looked at the data yet for PowerPod, but it's very convincing. Yeah, so for all, for all you data nerds out there that uh, you like your power meters and maybe maybe you want a second power meter on your bike or maybe you just want uh, maybe you want your first power meter but you don't want to shell out like, you know, 600 bucks, uh, check out the PowerPod. Yeah. It'd be and an awesome option. And it goes on your handlebars and it's like identical to a uh, a a, a GoPro mount. Yeah, so, yeah. So it would if say you have a Garmin on like a Garmin mount or something like on the front of your bike, it would actually attach like to the bottom side of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in so if you did want one power meter, you could use it for cross mountain road. You know. Yeah. So exactly. It's, it's super easy to convert over. You know, Ryan, you maybe I think you might have convinced me. I think I, I think I, I need think to buy I another myself. Yeah, I think I need to buy one of these. Jeez. Well, especially you. You don't have a power meter on your bike. I do not. And something that you might like. Oh man, we didn't really didn't anticipate getting into so much data stuff. Uh, Trainer Road just came out with uh, a new update for their software. I was going to talk to you about that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I wasn't sure if we were going to bring it up on here. Oh, we might as well. Yeah, it's cats well. out of the bag. Because I actually uh, left. I actually left them uh, a comment on their YouTube video. Yeah. Uh, today just because um, I was looking at mine and since it just got warm like a month ago uh-huh. on my chart it shows all, I had a ton of TSS yeah from my indoor rides but then it um, and they have my Strava yeah but since I don't have a power meter it doesn't convert over so all of a sudden now it, it shows I have like super limited TSS weeks you know and you so know. I commented like so what how does it work then if you don't, if you have a smart trainer, but you don't have a power meter on your outdoor bikes, because then this is basically useless. What you can do, what I would recommend doing, is riding with a heart rate monitor. It'll still give you TSS for a heart rate monitor. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, um, heart rate TSS on lower intensities is very close to your like power TSS. Excuse me, I'm kind of like burping a lot tonight. Um, so that's going to be really close. Um, the only time that heart rate TSS is, is quite a bit different than like your actual power TSS would be like during a race when no matter what your heart rate's elevated to like the max. So during the race this weekend, um, like, you know, my power during an hour was equivalent to like about what my threshold would be. And my heart rate was like over my threshold heart rate because I was just jacked up for the entire crit. So yeah, I would recommend doing that. Like ride around with your heart rate monitor, uh, put it on Strava, and it'll give you some kind of heart rate TSS associated okay. with that. Yeah, it should work pretty well. I, I stopped riding with a heart rate monitor. I don't I, know why. I still like to ride with mine just to see. Like I think we talked a little bit about this last yeah. time. You know, just just another input. But like I said, I'm I love the data. Like the more data I can have on mm-hmm. my bike, the better. I don't like. It's not that I ride my bike. I can't ride without it, but I just like to have it. It's kind of cool to look. Yeah, at. yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. So, right. 
All right, well, transitioning into our next topic. Uh, upcoming races. Upcoming races. Yeah, let's talk about upcoming races. All right, so... Ryan, this, why don't you talk? I talked enough about yeah, my racing. This weekend, I'm going to be racing uh, a mountain bike race. I decided to do that instead of the crit race in Menasha. Now, this is the first mountain bike race in the series that you're going after this yeah, year, right? Yeah, it was um, rescheduled because in Wisconsin, we decided to go from 80 degrees to snowing overnight. Yeah. And uh, so two weeks ago, we had snow, and so they had to cancel the race. So it's this weekend now instead of, like, two weeks ago. And uh, so I'm racing Elite, Cat 1, and I'm going for a series overall. Okay. Uh, So last weekend was the first time that the trails were open. So you basically... We get two weeks to train on the on the trails before the first race. So you've hardly ridden your mountain bike. I've ridden it twice. <laughs> nice. Uh, but what I found last Saturday uh, and the last few weeks is uh, I've been getting a lot of chest pain. Yeah. And I've been wondering, like, because there was a few times where we were doing, like, outdoor rides. Uh-huh. And I'm like, why do why can't I breathe? You know, like my, my lungs are just like in so much pain and, uh, Saturday was kind of like the, the limit where I'm like, I can't even like ride my bike right now because of how bad it got to where I did like one lap of the Camrock trails, which is uh, like a seven mile loop. It's something I've done many times. I got through one lap and I was like over my bars, like just gasping for air and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I'm so tired. And uh, so this led me, and then the next day I had just like a crazy amount of chest pain. Yeah. And uh, so then Tuesday, Did I- Did you think you were like dying? Like- I wasn't dying. Because like if that was me, I would have been like, I'm dying. Like I can't- Well, <laughs> it just felt like you, when you breathe in, yeah. it just feels like all of a sudden you're- um, you can't take in air. It's like you've got like it's like somebody is putting your their arms around your diaphragm. And yeah. Instead of letting your chest like expand, they're like, nope, mm-hmm. it's gonna stay at this yeah. size. And the feeling was like as if someone like punched me in the chest really hard, Ugh. and it just like uh, it it what is it when you just lose all the oh air. Well, you, yeah. get, you get the uh, wind knocked out yeah. of you. It yeah. It felt like you get the wind knocked out of you, and yeah. you're, you're trying to like get some air in, and you just can't. Mm-hmm. And then like your your chest hurts like that, you know. So yeah. so then I set up an appointment for Tuesday morning and they had me do a test where you breathe into this tube mm-hmm. and uh, this like little little thing moves. So for an athlete, for someone who's uh, my height and weight, uh, I was supposed to be at like 650 out of like a thousand. Okay. I blew at 275, which was my wow. the highest I got when I did it three times. I went from like 250 to 245 to like 275. Oh my god! Yeah, and then they uh, hooked me up to a nebulizer, which is basically a really nice inhaler. Mm-hmm. And they and they had me do it again, and I went up to 650. Okay, so that was like the red herring right there. Like, yeah, you need yeah. you needed that uh, inhaler. So okay, let me ask you a question: How long do you think you've had this for? Like undiagnosed. That's the thing. That's um, I was gonna get to. Because I beat you I've in been, a bike race two weeks ago. I've been li- <laughs> no joke. I have been living with this for a very long time. Really, and just thought it was normal, but it just mm-hmm. recently because of um, it's allergy season. I yeah. get really bad yeah. allergies that it really got. 
bad, mm-hmm. but I've I realized after taking like my inhaler that I've been living with this for a very long time. You just you, you know like I just when, thought it was normal. Well, when you're an, when you're an athlete too. Okay, and I think there's one other thing too. Like when you're a kid, like a young kid, um, it's pretty easy to see like when kids have asthma. You know, they can't breathe. They they kind of complain about it. Their parents usually get it checked out. When you're an older adult, I mean, well for us, you know, like mid twenties. Like you don't think about like developing asthma, yeah. Know? But I think endurance athletes are super susceptible to getting asthma. Like it's shocking mm-hmm. how many endurance, especially cyclists, and not people that are like looking to like cheat the system and get some kind of advantage, like a you know some kind of like Chris Froome salbutamol thing. No, it's uh, albuterol. That's oh. that's actually what I got. Right, but you know just. As long, I mean, it's pretty hard to exceed the legal dose. Oh, the, I could, yeah. My uh, my things is my thing is um, 100 milligrams. Yeah. Before exercise, mm-hmm. and he and I believe the legal limit is a thousand. Right. So and you he got to, caught with two thousand. Yeah. So you, so that's like, 20 pumps, but then it's in a, an hour. Yeah, that's a, an and hour. it has a two hour uh, half life. Yeah. So to get caught with two thousand, if he took it before the race, that's like that would be like. Uh, <laughs> That'd be like he he must have taken it like forty puffs. Well, yeah, and we we don't need to get too much into like the whole Chris Room thing because I'm yeah. sure everybody's talked about that to death. Um, but like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's a lot more information. He might yeah. maybe he was taking five hundred milligram puffs. You yeah, know? who knows? Who but, knows what his prescription was? Right, but it, I guess like bottom line, I think a lot of endurance athletes they kind of shy away from it because they think they're like extremely fit and extremely healthy and like how could they possibly need some kind of like medication or assistance but like yeah asthma is it's pretty easy to come by like you know yeah it's allergies yeah. that's pretty much what it is it's allergies mm-hmm. yeah and uh so when i so i took it when i went mountain biking <coughs> yesterday mm-hmm. and world of a difference yeah oh I, I i couldn't believe it like i felt like i was on like it, like like drugs. you could ride your bike. <laughs> like I I was riding and I there's a normal like the hardest part of the course is like this really technical uphill climb. Yeah. And I was just flying through it. So now do you take that every single time before you get on the bike now? Uh yeah, typically I'm I, or so, like well especially mountain biking you're in the yeah, woods like they want me they want me to right now because I'm gonna go back in next week mm-hmm. and retake the test. Yeah. To see how to do it without the inhaler to see if over the past week just taking consistent puffs does anything. Yeah. You know, just to see if like it's because there's a spectrum of how bad uh, asthma can be. Okay. And I'm on the lower end. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and she was explaining there like the upper end is like tons of pills and like nebulizer every day. You know. Yeah. It, it gets pretty drastic. But mine's a pretty typical uh, type of asthma. Where you just need it before exercise, mm-hmm. and she also touched on how you probably didn't notice it before because um, athletes, when they feel like they have a- when they get asthma, like it's like you're know, hitting the wall. Yeah, but no, for like that's that's kind of like a a no- like with me not being able to breathe very well. Yeah, as a normal person's like breathing well. So like an yeah. un unlike uh, trained person who doesn't work out. That's their normal level. Yeah, they, you know? they don't have, like, whatever. I don't know if people have expanded lung capacity, but, like, they haven't trained themselves to, like, intake oxygen that efficiently. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, they don't need to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so like, let's say you're doing it like a long, sorry, I have so many asthma questions now. Uh, let's say you're doing like a long race, like a three hour mm-hmm. endurance mountain bike race. Would you, uh, so you take one puff before you go. Yeah. Now, would you take one like midway through or is that good for the, for the day pretty much? It's, it's good for four to six hours. Okay. So you'd be fine then. Yeah, okay. I'd be fine. So unless you're doing like dirty Kansas, like yeah. 200 miles, you'd be fine on one puff. Yeah. Jeez, you'd probably have to take three puffs for that actually. But, um, miles. on top of that too, what I've, uh. So this was this is kind of going into our next topic. Okay. Uh, nutritional Ooh, supplements. Oh, segue. All right. Yeah. So um, similarly, so uh, I was advised by um, a chiropractor friend of ours mm-hmm. uh, that if you have asthma, what can also really help is L-arginine. L-arginine. Okay. Yeah. Now, and, is that like an herb or is that like a like a some kind of uh, supplement? Then? It's it's a it comes from some sort of plant. Okay. It's natural in your body. Okay. And uh, what it does is it relaxes the um, airway and uh, vein tissues. So it opens Mm. up your veins and your arteries to uh, enhance circulation throughout your body. Would you take that as like uh, on like a daily basis or is that just like a free workout? No, no, no. You take it on a daily basis. And it's legal? You wouldn't get like... It's completely legal. Okay. Um, And it it helps these uh, relax. So... Uh, asthma is the constricting yeah. of like arteries and your lungs and stuff, okay. and that helps relax them so they open up. And actually, during physical activity, it also helps get rid of byproducts. So like like buffer like the lactic acid and stuff Correct. like that. Correct. Interesting. And this is legal. Yeah, it's legal. Interesting. I would. I mean, that's. I'd be interested in trying that just to see if I notice the difference. Mm-hmm. And it's um, cheap. It's like five bucks. Really, you right. know, that's just weird. I've never heard of it before. Yeah, see, that that's the thing is, um, the the reason why is because there's not much, uh, like experiments or like re- tests. research. There's on like it. very little research, mm-hmm. and the research kind of goes back and forth. Okay. Um, the reason why is because it's hard. They haven't done like an extensive research on it, where okay. they've only allowed people this supplement. And they tracked like what they ate and stuff because then what you eat it too could factor in the results. So they've got to control everything around it to and see. And they just haven't done it. Interesting. There's there's not really any colleges or out anything out there who are going, you know, vitamin to vitamin, looking at what will this yeah. do to cyclists. But like in the next five years, we might see some kind of research because you know. With cycling, there's always some kind of marginal gain to be had, yeah. and it's only a matter of time before there's something else that you know other uh, publications can write about mm-hmm. and, and and you know preaches like the magic pill of endurance athletes. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, there's it's it's uh, kind of similar to what uh, some some like pills have like they're like ammonia pills. Okay. I know uh, Hammer Nutrition does them. Where it it gets rid of like the ammonia going through your veins, which mm-hmm. then stops the uh, what is it the lactic acid yeah. from building up. So, yeah, we're we're sorry, catching that. Sorry, we're I, catching. I, it's super hot in here. I, well, no, it's not hot. I I tried to turn the light on and then I ended oh, up okay. turning the fan on. I'm yeah, like, hi. it's it's the uh, I can't think right now. Yes, that one is going to turn on the fan. Okay. And then the other one turns on the light. All right. Sorry about that everybody. Just uh yeah, we were we were in the dark over here so we had to get everything. Now we're in the light, you know. Yeah, there now, you go. Now you've got your inhaler, you've seen the light. 
yeah. you got your L-arginine mm-hmm. and yeah. So well, yeah, now I'm taking uh, the L-arginine and the inhaler. I take the L-arginine every day, the inhaler before I exercise. And then uh, I also got uh, caffeine pills. Uh, see, I think caffeine pills are um, pretty silly. Like, see, caffeine has been shown to actually help uh, pain, like from muscle soreness. It does uh, during activity. But why don't you just like have a cup of coffee before your your uh, um, whatever race, big workout, big ride, or take like a caffeinated gel? I just think caffeine pills are like they're also pretty cheap. Yeah, I don't know. It's something you can just throw in quick before a race too, like fifteen minutes prior to a race, throw it in. I used to I used to take way too much caffeine like before races. So I used to like this was my typical race morning is I'd wake up, I'd have a huge cup of coffee, and then eat breakfast <clears throat> right before the race, take a caffeine gel and then like a two times caffeine gel. So like a lot of caffeine in that. And if it was a long race, I'd do another caffeine gel during the race. And then if I had two races that day, like say I was doing like one category crit in the morning and then like another one in the afternoon, I would take another caffeine gel. And like <laughs> by the end of the day, I'd get off my bike and I could like visibly see my hand kind of like trembling from probably the exertion, but also that much caffeine in my system. So I pretty much limit myself to like a cup of coffee a day. And the reason why I like doing that is because like, if you just do that much coffee, it still kind of perks you up. I was, I don't know about you, but like I'd always get to the point where I was drinking so much coffee and having so much caffeine that like I, it would just be like ridiculous the amount I'd have to have to kind of get like a little bit of a perk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, while we're on the topic of, of you, Ryan, your, your health, you know, we've talked about uh, your asthma and your supplements. How's your uh, how's your warrior? I forgot. Is it called the warrior diet? No, going? it's called. Uh, yeah, I think we named it. Your, something your like diet that. experiment, <laughs> the Ryan diet. I think. That's yeah. What we so called it. the diet of uh, eating once per day. Yeah. So you only eat one meal per day. You don't really eat a lot of carbs either. No. Right. Uh, so it's been on and off. The reason okay. because day to day it's kind of different. So what I found is if I'm going to do like a really tough workout. Mm-hmm. I, I really can't get through just on one meal. If I if I take the one meal in the morning and work out in the afternoon, I do need a little bit before yeah. my workout. So I will have a little bit before my workout. So uh, so essentially, you're feel you're you're fueling the workout. Yeah, you're fueling the most important part of the day, which is your yeah. workout. Yeah, okay. but besides that, I mean, I'm down to about. Uh, this morning I weighed in at 151. Last Jeez. Friday I was 149, and like a half. And then over the weekend I kind of fell off just because my weekend was really weird with uh, moving into my new apartment, mm-hmm. and my parents came down and stuff. So it w- it was a little off where I couldn't like eat a lot in the morning, and then I had to like on uh, Saturday I had to be in my new apartment, which was an hour drive at like 7.30 in the morning and then I had to wait at my new apartment until the internet guy got there. So, and I didn't have any food or anything at my apart- at my new apartment so I couldn't really eat then and then uh, I, I ate a little bit and went mountain biking and then all of a sudden like I didn't eat enough and I bonked really hard Yeah, on top yeah, that'll of happen. <laughs> not being able to really breathe and then so when I got home I had a two friends over and ordered a large Papa Pizza Hut 
uh, <laughs> a large Pizza Hut pizza and downed it. And I could have probably put two of those down. Yeah, that's, that's what so happened. When I was you... stopping myself at one large pizza. <laughs> that's what will happen when you don't eat all day and go mountain biking. Yeah. But, you know, you're looking pretty lean, man, I can tell. Yeah. It's... You're looking You're looking a little lighter. Yeah, I honestly, I feel it, too. Is that affected your performance at all, though? Like, it on has. The bike? Uh, at first, the first week, late yeah. last week, there was a few days where I was doing super intense workouts. Yeah. So not just like sweet spot when you're really pushing it, those ones that are tough to like, get through. Like above, like VO2 kind of like. Yeah, like VO2 max workouts were tough. Oh, I bet. But my body did start to get used to them. Well, because you're just ripping through glycogen and with yeah. the, the kind of diet that you're doing, you're essentially like restricting carbohydrates. So mm-hmm. you're, those glycogen, those, excuse me, glycogen tanks are empty until you give it a little fuel before the workout. Yeah. And that's why I do that. Or I'll have like an, uh, a energy drink kind of thing, like a supplement drink during my workout to just fuel the workout. Okay. And I found that still works pretty well where I'm not overeating during my workout and I just give myself what I need to do the workout. Okay. So the status so far is Diet working for Ryan, bonks have been had, and but I'm figuring it out. Mistakes have been made. <laughs> I, I'm learning from the mistakes, though. That's good. That's so. solid, man. Well, I I'm glad that like you're still like you know liking it and it's working and stuff. What about like you? That. What are what are uh, what are where are you currently at? What weight wise? Yeah, weight wise. Oh, I think I'm at about 140. I fluctuate between 140 and 142. Damn. So it's light. That's actually kind of heavy for me. You don't look 140 pounds. Like I look heavier. You look like 150. Yeah, I kind of get that a lot. But I'm. I think people it, don't realize how short I am. It's like crazy to think someone who's 20, 25, 26 can only weigh 140 <laughs> pounds. Oh, that's me. <laughs> no, I. I. But here's the thing, though. So I'm pretty short. I'm five eight. I for my entire life, I've never been able to carry muscle. Like. I have zero, I have zero arms. So like, I'm not the leanest person ever. And so when we were racing two years ago, like 2016, I just, I was a lot leaner. Um, I was like 133 to 136 pounds, like throughout the season. Wow. That was just, that's like kind of naturally where I am. Like when I start doing a lot more racing and especially when the weather's nice, I usually like shed a little bit of like winter, like hibernation fat. I'll probably get below 140 just naturally. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of where my body sits, I guess. I don't do anything super special with diet. I try to eat just whole foods and limit anything that's like refined or processed. Eat as much vegetables as I can and then some good sources of protein. I keep it really simple. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pizza is generally my weak spot and um, ice cream as well, too. Today, uh, so I'm finishing up college. Uh, one of my classes, we did, uh, the entire class was just a, a project that the entire class was product, uh, part of. And we uh, had a client who needed a new website, like an actual client. And our class built a new website for them. And since today was our last class, our teacher got us all pizza because we just finished the project and they loved it. Uh, <laughs> You're like... <laughs> they bought a lot of pizza. I can just imagine you like, I haven't had my one meal of the oh. day. Everybody back off. I'm going to eat two of these. <laughs> I, I, I mentally prepared myself for this. What do you mean? What do you mean by mentally? Mentally knowing that I'm going to go in there. I'm going to say, I'm, like, if you're going to throw pizza, I, I you're going to throw it down. <laughs> I'm going to have some. So yeah. this morning when that's I like, ate. That's like the broke college kid yeah. in you too. Like, 
oh, I can just eat all of my meals in this one free meal and mm-hmm. then be done for the day. Yeah, so this morning I ate a little less. Uh, I got an hour and a half workout in right before class, and I had two slices of pizza and two topper sticks. Oh, I bet that felt good. Oh, it took everything in my willpower not to go get like five slices. That I was the same way too, where I'm still the same way. Who am I kidding? Where if there's free food, there's something like in mm-hmm. my brain that's like, okay, just eat as much as you can and then you're done eating for the day. Yeah. And I still do that where like <clears throat> we'll have like some like pizza at work or something and I'll literally like eat like way more than I intended to, but um, I'm pretty good with work food. <clears throat> with, with work food? Yeah. We don't have snacks at our work. I know you do. <laughs> oh, yeah. We that have, would be tough for so, me. So where I work, uh, it is tough. That's not helped my waistline. Um, there's like a pantry that's constantly full of snacks. Like there's healthy snacks, but there's mm-hmm. also unhealthy snacks. Like every Monday they, they cater us breakfast and then every Ooh, day they cater us lunch. That's tough. <laughs> so like... It's, it's extremely hard, and there's also, like, treats and stuff outside of yeah. that. It's it is, super nice for a, a, a company to do oh, that. It, it's amazing, but, like, for somebody that's trying to, like, go up hills fast, yeah. it is not conducive. You know, that, I always think it's goal. funny, too, because everybody in the office is kind of like, oh, I really appreciate this, <laughs> Yeah, but I've already eaten and I really want some, but that, I know I should not overdo it. And everybody's just like, oh, man. Oh, that's always how it is. There's always, like, and I don't know how if that's changed. I think it's changed a lot over the past couple of years because I just remember seeing, like, 90s TV shows where, like, everybody in the office was, like, pudgy and fat. Yeah. But, like, in our office, most of the people are pretty healthy and, uh, I don't know, it's, it's always like something unhealthy will be put out and then nobody will go touch it except for a couple people right away. And mm-hmm. then as the afternoon goes on, it's like people's willpower just breaks yeah, down. Yeah. You see people starting to sneak over there and take like half a donut and then like another half of a donut an it's, hour later. It's on your mind all day. It is. It's the worst thing ever. It's like all I, the only thing I can do to not eat it is literally bring one to my desk and throw it away. And that's I don't do that. That would be wasteful, but... You get the point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So we're right. over here. We're trying to be skinny for bike racing season. Uh, it's, Speaking of racing that you yeah. don't need to be skinny for. Yeah. Red Hook. Red Hook criteriums. You can be pretty fat in race crits. Yeah. Like, I've seen some you look at, um, big guys race Justin crits. Justin Williams is... He's not fat, but... He's solid. I've, I think he's, like, I, 170, 175. But I've seen, like, big, like... Oh, yeah. Not obese, but, like, just thick guys. And that helps. To a, to a degree. To a degree. Yeah, I Flat think it, it can hurt you, too. There's a lot of big pro crit racers. I You really need to, like, especially, I've just given up on trying to do well at flat four-corner crits. I've yeah. just given up. Like, I can't. Um, it's just, like, you get guys that just put out so much power that are, mm-hmm. like, close to, like, damn near 2,000 pounds. Yeah. I mean, sorry, 200 pounds. Excuse me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So... We got, for Red Hook Crit, for the men's finals, we got Filippo Fortin in first place. Taking the win. Which, although not part of Specialized Rocket Espresso, rides for Crit Life. Does he really? Yeah, he rides okay. for Team Bahumer bah- 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 Crit Life. Bahumer Crit Life. I don't know. if Are they affiliated with Crit Life? No, I don't think they okay. are. Maybe they're not. Okay. Okay. But it's pretty cool, though. Second place, Justin Williams, Specialized Rocket Espresso, which I think we both called. 
I, the podium. I, I think actually, we both said first place. I know. I actually said second place. Second place? Yeah. I think but I, didn't I get, said I first did, place. I didn't get first place right. Mm. So, And then third place, Alex Briggs from Specialized Rocket Espresso. Yep. Yep. And I believe that was the man that delivered the lead out for Justin Williams, yeah. which is how he got third place. And uh, I think I called Colin... Uh, Strickler, Strickland, Strickland. He, Colin, he flatted. Yeah, or crashed. He, he had mechanical problems, and he was or out of the race. Something like that. So yeah, he big got bummer. A DNF. Big, big bummer for him. Um, yeah, we actually, I think there's some pretty cool uh, race footage of like the last. Yep, yep, last lap or something on this. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna just go through. It's like a minute long video. Yeah. We're just gonna go through what's 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 going on here. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll play the audio too. Mm-hmm. Um, and surprisingly, so last year, event and factory team just like dominated. They took eleventh place was their best finish, which is a little surprising. A little bit. That that team has been around the Red Hooks quite a bit. Yeah, Specialized Rocket Espresso though. We did call them doing very well, and they did very well. I think I I think I had them going one two three. It looks mm-hmm. like they went. Uh, two and three, but we'll see what happens mm-hmm. at the next couple Red Hooks. Yeah. And it's also to say they dominated the race. This was also their first race together too. Yeah. So I think they're all learning to ride together as yeah. well. But yeah, we'll see in the video kind of how everything but unfolded on the last lap. They owned the front of the race. Yeah. Okay, so we're we're watching a very rainy Red Hook. Yep. So uh, quite a bit of rain. Yep. So Rocket Espresso at the front, the lead out train with Justin Williams right on the back. They got a few people trying to sit on them. It looks like Alec Briggs is the second man in the last lap lead out right now. Yep. Um, so everything's together on the last lap. It's it's actually the first time in a couple mm-hmm. of years that this race has, I believe, ended in a field sprint. Uh, it looks like we have uh, Amon. That is, that is, I believe, Stefan Schaefer. Okay, so Stefan Schaefer, he is the first man in the last lap lead out. Then we got Alex Briggs. Then we got Justin Williams. Iman Lucas was, had already shut off. Okay, so that was a uh, so specialized rocket espresso. It looks like they set up a pretty lengthy lead out train, yeah. at least four men deep, and they were doing this. Oh, so they must have at least set this up with two, maybe three oh, laps. They to did. Go. They were uh, they were at the front the entire race. Yeah, and that's in the last few laps, they just started hammering. And that was pretty much their strategy this race. Yep. I mean, it was. They had numbers. They had a bunch of really fast riders, and they had arguably the best field sprinter in yep. the entire race with Justin Williams. Yep. Their entire goal was just to sit at the front, control the race, watch the brakes, and yeah. make sure everything stayed together until mm-hmm. the last lap. And I believe uh, Filippo is sitting right on Justin Williams' uh, wheel right now. Yeah, and we see too, like even though they've got a pretty good lead out going, um, you know, Justin oh, Williams, they, Ooh, they gapped the field. Yeah. Justin Williams and Filippo gapped everyone. Yep. So, so we saw Stefan Schaefer pull off, Alec Briggs pull off and oh. in a two up sprint, Filippo oh. just pips Justin at the line. Just barely, just barely. I mean, and, and you know what was going on there? I think partially the reason why, uh, you know, Justin Williams maybe didn't win that sprint. That lead out train might've been honestly a little bit fast for him. Being, uh, you know, a guy that's coming, you know, primarily from the road, uh, you could see that he was getting gapped off on a couple of the corners just with the accelerations, and it's, you know, it's on one, it's on one gear ratio too. So like, it's not like you can like click down and mm-hmm. just kind of like spin back up to speed. These guys basically have to stay on top of the pedals the entire race. So yeah. I think, yeah, I think that that lead out just might have been a little bit much, and it looked like Alec Briggs at a couple times gapped Justin yeah. off a little bit, where Justin was then taking the wind. Oh, 
Okay. Okay. Sorry, just uh, knock something off the table. I, th- I think, yeah, so when he gapped him, Justin was taking yeah. too much wind for just a few seconds before the last corner. Yep, I, I think it, w- it was also such a windy such a windy and rainy uh, yeah. uh, finish. That but that did it. I think the second Justin pulled off Alec, I think he realized that, okay, this is going to be hard. Mm-hmm. Like, this is this is. He had been really in the wind for the last, like, five, ten seconds, so it was almost like he had to start his sprint. 50 meters early yeah still i mean still super impressive but that is how the uh the red hook men's race played out and so for the women's i believe i i did call uh i'm gonna botch this name again i'll, I'll get the name Raphael. that's Lemieux. a woman so i don't think it's Raphael. i think i think that could be a woman's name too Raphael. Oh, okay Raphael lemu lemu from specialized rock espresso but here ryan i believe you said it was going to be carla nafri from specialized oh, rock espresso okay. so you had the team right but it was actually mm. a different rider how did she do ah okay she was back in 30th, 30th. so maybe she was a lead out Maybe, yeah. I I watched a little bit of this race. It was, I, they don't have a recap right now. They um, don't. No, and so we what, haven't seen that one. What I did watch was primarily from people's social media feeds. So mm-hmm. like, uh, not even live streams, but just like videos from Instagram and Facebook. Yeah, and it looked like an incredibly aggressive race. Lots and lots of attacks. I believe the winner, uh, Rafael, Rafael, however you pronounce it, Lemieux, Rafael, yeah. uh, she did win solo, uh, a short solo breakaway. I believe it might have been the last lap or even last half a lap mm-hmm. she got away. Maybe so, I called her, though, because her race number was number two. Mm-hmm. I might have called her on the podium. You might have called her on the podium. Yeah. But then, uh, oh, maybe the race number is not from... We should we should have probably gone back and looked at our calls. Yeah, yeah, that's oh well. good. You know, for so, so we were, we were pretty close, I guess. Yeah, you know, in the I ballpark. Think we called that specialized would do well. Specialized yes, rocket Espresso would do sure. well. Yeah, uh, these the other two women on the podium. We I've actually never heard of them before. Melanie uh, Guaden, Guaden, and, and Margot Vigi. Yes, so I believe that second and third were determined by a small group field sprint. Mm-hmm. Not a single American. Well, it looks like Ash Dubin was in fourth place. That, that was, was a podium that we was, had. That was my pick for first, actually. She I, was on Eventon last year, she, correct? Um, No, I believe she no. was riding for Affinity Cycles. Aff- okay, yeah. Yep. Uh, it looks like she's on Eventon this year, though. Yeah, yeah. Eventon for women's did decent this it, year. What's kind of interesting, so there's a couple women that were riding for the Meteor ALA, ALA and the, some of the women in the pro women's field this weekend at my race were on the uh, the Meteor, I think it's the Meteor Cafe team. Oh, Meteor. that's cool. Yeah. So I don't know if that's exactly the same team. It might be the same uh, sponsor. Same sponsor or Yeah, something. but that was pretty cool. Um, cool to see kind of some crossovers mm-hmm. between, you know, some Wisconsin racing and some Red Hook. All right. All right. Time to wrap it up. Uh we have some social media. We do. Rick, you want to tell them where to follow us at? Yes, uh, we actually do have a Facebook now. Uh, that can be found uh, Bike Racing Weekly. And then we also have a Twitter, so you can tweet. Wait, Bike Racing or Bike Race? Bike Racing Weekly. Bike Racing yep. Weekly. Bike Racing Weekly on Facebook. You can also tweet us, tweet at us on Twitter. Uh, that's at Bike Race Weekly. And yeah, tweet at us. Uh, ask us questions, share some cool race stuff with us. We'd love to hear from anybody that's mm-hmm. listening to the podcast. Feel free to always reach out. YouTube channel to go. Uh, we are coming to the understanding that not everyone has access to iTunes. 
So we're looking into other means of listening to our podcast. So yeah, so I think we're going to start out with having a YouTube channel where yep. we, we can just essentially put our podcast up there. Great for anybody listening around the house. You mm-hmm. know, if you're just home at a computer, you can listen on there. We have plans for doing some video. Yep, yep. And then we're also going to look at getting it onto mm-hmm. another mobile platform as well. So maybe like a SoundCloud. Spotify has podcasts yeah. as well, too. I actually listen to Spotify podcasts yep. at work. Some so. uh, race, race video, too. I know I'm probably going to pick up a... Uh, chest mount for mountain biking. Nice. So I might record some mountain bike racing this weekend. Oh, sweet, sweet. Yeah. Yep. Put it up on the page. Yep. And we also have a uh, one of our races up already. One of your races. One of my races that Rick was also in. I was. And that is up on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's up on my YouTube oh, channel, okay. but it will be well, up on. It will be up. It on will ours. be up soon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's actually the last ten minutes of uh, of the crit that yep. we did two weeks yep. ago. So if anybody cares about watching a Cat 3 crit in Wisconsin, it'll be there. Yeah. All right. You know, it's pretty fun to watch. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Whoa, oh, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. We, got, we got one more thing. We got follows of the week. Yep. Follows of the week. All right. What did I, I you know, I told you at the beginning of the show what my follow was going to be. Do you remember what I said? I don't think you did. I, I told you mine. I swear I told you it. All right. Well, while you You're find out. you these things for me, Ryan. My follow of the week is going to be Daniel Oss. He is huh. a team member of Peter Sagan on Bora Hansgrow and why he is so interesting is because he just did a eight day training tour type thing of his own across Italy. Not really training though, he just he just rode. He just rode. He's yeah. just like, hey, sc- screw it. I'm gonna, I, I love just going through the back country and I'm gonna do eight days and then they made a mini little documentary Instagram type thing of yeah, it. Yeah, you can basically go back through his Instagram. I think it, the Peloton magazine, yeah. they kind of like helped him out with it. Uh, but essentially every day he just had like a long like post. Long bike you can, ride. You can read about it, long bike ride. Um, he did a ton of miles and it's pretty interesting. And he's, he's good on Instagram too. He keeps a very positive vibe yeah. to his Instagram. I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And you can also see, because he raced quite a few classics with Peter Sagan. Yeah, he just got back from a really long and competitive classic season. So yeah. I think that's probably what he needed, just some riding around, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That's that's Daniel Oss again. That's D A N I E L O S S. All right. All right. My follow of the week is going to be uh, Faster Days, which is oh yeah, Faster Days on Instagram. F A S T U R yeah you are D A Y Faster Days is I guess you could say it's a media channel uh, completely dedicated to American Criterium Racing. Um, they have a podcast as well. You can search them on iTunes. Um, have they had a podcast up this year? Yeah, he did one with Iman Lucas a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. Because yep. I used to follow them. I think I stopped following them when he, they stopped putting up a uh, podcast. He took, he took a little break, but yeah, he took a break. I think he's back with essentially like season he's two. He's got good podcasts. He's got really good podcasts with some of the best Criterium races. Pete in Morris the, from Cl- Cliff Bar Racing. Yep. He's got Ryan Aitchison he's done some with. Mm-hmm. Um uh, yeah, he's got some really cool guests. Uh, but yeah, he also has a really cool Instagram. It's completely dedicated to American Criterium Racing, like I said. They go to all the biggest crits. They write about them. They they live the experience. They live the, the cities that the races are held at. It's just a really cool perspective on racing and kind of what American Criterium Racing is and why it's awesome, too. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I think that you does it. You can download us currently on iTunes. We are working on other platforms look out for us on youtube at 
Bike Race Weekly. And give us a follow on Twitter. You can tweet us at Bike Race Weekly. Or follow us on Facebook at Bike Racing Weekly. Yep. Plenty more content to come. Racing season is just getting underway, so we've got a lot of exciting things coming for you guys. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye, guys.